tonight after being in the world today. It's good being among the saints. I think it's always cool on Wednesday and Sunday to get together because I think it helps us through the rest of our week. Please turn to Leviticus 8. And this is going to be the third part in the uh, holiness teaching that I've been doing. But I was just thinking as we uh, sang worship and every time we come together to read God's word, how that is how we are being set apart. That's how we're being consecrated. That's how we're being sanctified by Jesus to be more like him and to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. And this is just a, even though the uh, title of the message is dealing with holiness, every time you and I come together, every time you do your devotion, every time you are praying with someone or reading the scriptures, you are being set apart more and more by the Lord. What is your desire? What is my desire in being set apart? Is that a, something that drives us? Is that a passion that we just want to be so close to Jesus? We want to just draw so close to him because his promise is he'll draw close to us. So as we get into the scriptures tonight, I'm going to go through a couple of teachings in uh, Leviticus. Then we're going to jump over to Ephesians. And I have the slideshow. I just want to finish up. Um, and if you've been here, you'll hear some things that I think is very important to be repetitive. But I know that in anything we do, whatever your profession is, I know mine is teaching and coaching in the secular world. But even when here, when we're in church, the things that we hear over and over again are for our development, right? It's for our uh, strength and building up. I know with coaching, you do things over and over again. You, you drill the skills. So when they get into a game, they don't have to think about it. It's just instinctive. And I think it's the same thing with God's word. The more we hide God's word in our heart with all the situations that come along in life's journeys, we're just reacting out of the Holy Spirit in us, working from the inside out. In Leviticus uh, chapter 8, we're going to look at a few verses, verses 22 through 24. And he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And Moses killed it. Also, he took some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brought Aaron's sons. And Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around on the altar. Father, I just pray that in the next half hour or so that you would just uh, help us to be set apart, to be taught by you. We depend on you, Lord, in your precious name and by the working of your Holy Spirit, that we would see the truths that you want us to see, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive. And we just ask this for your glory and in Jesus' name. As we know, the Old Testament is full of a lot of blood. And I think of a birth of a child, the blood that is expelled by the mom. I think of a transfusion from one person to another, the blood that's given in order to what? In order to give life, in order to sustain life. And in the Old Testament, we see that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Blood has to be shed. Right now, we're all sitting here and our hearts beating 60, 70, 80, 90 beats per minute, just pumping all that blood with oxygen in it to all parts of our body in order for us to stay alert and stay awake. And it's getting rid as we breathe out. The blood full of carbon dioxide is being expelled, the carbon dioxide through our lungs into the air as we breathe in new oxygen. 
And that whole cycle's going on. And it's taking place when we're not even conscious of it unless right now we're thinking about it. It's a lot like that in the Christian walk. If you are abiding in Jesus Christ and you're talking to him and praying to him and, and just living for him, things are taking place in your spirit that you're not always conscious of. The way people see you, the way you're acting towards people and situations, it's just an outflow of what God's doing in your heart. And we're going to look at some things tonight that's so crucial, so important, that you and I need to protect and be aware of. And we'll look at that in a few minutes. But here, uh, what's going on is Moses is anointing the tabernacle, and now he's anointing Aaron, the high priest, and his sons. These are guys that have been set apart. They're the priests. They represent God to the people. And the people go to them, and they take the petitions to God. They're the middleman. Well, it's awesome to know we don't need a middleman. Jesus is our mediator between us and the Father. How cool is that? And we don't have to go out, and we don't have to find a ram lay our hands on it and transfer our sins to that ram and then kill the ram. We don't have to do that. But understand, millions and millions of lambs and rams were being slaughtered throughout the course of the Old Testament in order to for, uh, cover sins and to be consecrated and to sanctify and all that stuff. And it was just a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do when he came down as the Lamb of God to shed his blood for sinful men and women and that we could be set apart once we're covered in his blood and cleansed. So it's a picture of what we've been through spiritually. We're seeing some physical things taking place here. Notice that this is a ram of consecration. And this is a picture of what God has done for you and for me. Notice Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram. And when they laid their hands on that ram, they pressed hard. They were laying all their burdens, all their sins on that animal before they killed it. It was a picture of you and me laying all our sins, all our burdens on Jesus and what he did on the cross. We gave him everything. He took everything. And this is what this ram represented. The transfer, the taking of all the sins of the priest and his sons. Now understand that you and I are a kingdom of priests. If you're a born-again believer in here, and there's no other kind of Christian but a born-again Christian, we looked at that in a couple of the other teachings, there's only one kind of Christian that Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit recognize, and that's a born-again Christian. John 3.16, just read John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. Jesus said, you must be born again. If Jesus said it, and he emphasized it to one of the priests who thought he had his spiritual life together... He's saying it to you and me also. You must be born again. Verse 23, and Moses killed it. Moses killed it. Now remember, Moses represented the law. Remember, he brought the Ten Commandments down from Mount Sinai to the people. He represented the law. The law cannot forgive. But the blood shed is where the forgiveness of the sins is. And in this case, Moses killed the ram. And notice what he did. He took some of its blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on, his, on the big toe of his right foot. Amazing. And just why the right side and not the left? Most people are right-handed. Most people that you come across in the world are right-handed. Nothing wrong with lefties, and you're in here lefty. We love you. You're, you're, you know, God loves you. He died for you, too. But most people are righty. So 
It was like the superior side. God wants our best. He wants our strength. He wants our strongest. If you're a lefty, he wants that left side because that's your strong side. He wants your best. He doesn't want this secondhand stuff. He wants our all. And what a great example Jesus is. He gave us his all. You know, what a great mentor someone is who shows you by example rather than by words. You know? Lead by example. You know, and that's such a neat thing. But here we have him put it on the ear, the thumb, and the foot. Why? Like, what else does that represent? What else is going on in there? And we're going to look at that in a second, but let's just look at verse 24. Then he also brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears and on their thumbs of their right hands and on the big toes of their right foot, feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. Remember, the altar is a place of death. It's a place of sacrifice. Okay, that was taking place. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, For you and me to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, which means set apart, and acceptable to the Lord. And why? Because it's the right thing to do. It's the thing that we get to do every day. Before we get, our, before we get out of bed and put our feet on the carpet or the floor or whatever, we should be saying, Lord, I offer today my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, because it's the best thing for me to do. You've done so much for me. I get to live for you today, Lord. Let's look at the ear, the thumb, and the toe. Why those three pieces? Why the ear? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Oh, Lord, may we all be consecrated and set apart enough to hear God's voice. Speak to us through his word. Lord, I want your heart's voice to be received by my ears. I want to listen to the things of God. I don't want to listen to the things of the enemy or the world or the flesh that would take me away from you. I want to be wholly consecrated to you. Remember, the ram took all of my sin. I, pr I put all the weight of my existence on that animal before it was killed. He took everything and died. That ram died. I want to die completely to myself so I can live for Christ. That's an ongoing battle, right? That's something that's going on every day in your life and my life. You need to become... Is that a spaceship? No? Okay, we're okay? All right. I want to be totally consecrated to the Lord. I don't want to be pulled away by the other things in, in the world that's going to cloud my vision of Jesus. I want to see him more and more. Remember, without holiness, you can't see God. How well are you and I seeing God today? How was your day today? Was it clouded? Did you not even think about Jesus? Did you not even say, good morning, Lord, I love you. Let's, let's see what we got together going today. What are we going to do today, Lord? I'm ready for whatever you have for me. Give me my answers, Lord, before I even go into that meeting today or before I teach those kids. Give me answers, Lord. Dealing with my children at home or my spouse. Lord, give me a, your heart. Let me not be quick to answer. Let me hear. Let me put it before you. Give me the wisdom. Give me your love. Give me your patience. Set me apart. The more time you spend with him, the more you're going to act like him. Just like anything we do. Right? If you go into a certain restaurant, it has all the garlic smells or any kind of whatever's going on. What happens when you get in the car or when you get home? You smell like the restaurant, right? 
It's the same type of smell. Well, you want to have the odor of Christ, the sweet aroma. How? Spending time with him. It's all connected. So the ear. Lord, let me hear your voice today. I want to set my hearing just for you, Lord. I want to be guided by you. And then we go to the thumb. Okay? I was thinking about this the other day when I was at uh, practice, and I was thinking, thumb. Why the thumb? And I was thinking, let me pick up something. So I, I tried to pick up an object, you know, with just my fingers. And as I did that, you know, I can't close it. So it's real awkward. You know what I mean? It's awkward to pick it up. But when you can pick it up with your thumb, you know, you got a good grip. You have a good grip on what you're picking up. And the thumb also represents that you can work. You're working with your hands. And what do you think? I think of Colossians. Lord, everything I do today, let it be done unto you. Not to me. Let you get all the glory. Lord, I want to work for you today. I want to get a grip on you today. I want us to go out in that world together today. I don't want to be separated and work out of my own flesh. Right? I don't want to do those things. I want to do it with you, Lord. I want you to lead the way and I just want to follow. And then the toe, the blood on the, the right toe. Lead me in paths of righteousness. Let me go down the path that you've created for me and let me be aware of that path. That when I walk today, where I go is for you. The things I do and work at is for you. The things I listen to are for you. And remember, Aaron and his sons did this in the tabernacle, and over two million people were called to watch this. So I was thinking about those two million people. Did some of them rush up front so they could get a bird's eye view of Aaron and his sons? And the people that came late at the far view, and they couldn't even see what was going on. Maybe it was passed down, you know, by word of mouth, what was going on in the front. But how close do you want to be to what God's doing? How close do I want to be to what God's doing? You know, you can get as close as you want. You don't have to take a back seat. You get box seats all the time if you want to. With the Lord, you're right there with Him. If you want to be. How close do you want to draw to the Lord? Are you walking in His paths? Or are you just picking a path and hoping it's the right way? Or are you so close to the Lord that you hear him say, take this path. Take that path. Do this. Do that. How's your relationship? That's all this is about. Because we can't go to the next thing we're going to look at until we go to the part with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Is something else more important to you than Jesus? Another person. A thing. A place. What is it? What's hindering your walk and my walk with the Lord right today? Is it anxious thoughts? Is it fear? Is it worry? Is it depression? Is it finances? Is it relationships? What is it that's taking your eyes off of Jesus Christ? You need to yell out, help, Lord, get my focus back on you. Lord, I haven't been really following you. I, my mind's been all over the place. Just let me see you and keep my vision Focused on you. Let me have those blinders. Because as we focus on the Lord, everything else falls into place. The world can be crumbling down around us. And everything will be all right. You know, if I look at myself, I get depressed. Seriously, if I dwell on myself, boy, there's a lot of things I can get depressed on. If I look at the world, there's unrest. I get unrestful. There's so many things. How's this going to work out? What's going to happen in the Middle East? What's going to happen right here in our state? I'm a teacher. Governor Christie, I don't know if he went to school and got rollered every day or what happened, but he's, it seems like he's coming after the teachers. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's going to happen with my pension or how much money you're going to take out for my health insurance. And some of you are in that same thing if you're uh, uh, paid by the gov government or the state of New Jersey. But I can't worry about that. 
That's not my concern. But if I look to Christ, I find rest. There's a peace. There's a rest. I don't have to be distressed. I don't have to be depressed. I find my rest in Christ. I find my peace in Christ. And I get out of that focus, too, just like you. I get out of that focus. But how quick do we get back into the right frame of mind and that right focus? Okay, let's turn to Ephesians. And Paul, you can uh, put up that first slide, please. We're going to Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 14. In Numbers 8.17, it says, For all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine. Now remember Israel, the word Israel means governed by God. How about you and I tonight? Are we being governed by God? Or are we being governed by other people? other circumstances, other situations. Who are we being governed by? That's crucial. This wasn't only for Israel. Remember, the Bible was written for you and for me. It's supernatural. So God can reach the Israelites back then, like 4,000 years ago, whatever it was, and he can reach us now in 2011. You don't have to be from Israel to be governed by God. For God died for the whole world and if you're here tonight, you know that either the Holy Spirit is guiding you here or he's living in you because you're a born-again believer. You know you're a sinner. You know he died on the cross. You know you need a Savior. You know you've received him into your heart. And you know you're not perfect. That's why you need a Savior. And regardless of how long we're on this earth, we know that one day all of us, along with all other brothers and sisters throughout the world, we'll be in heaven with Jesus Christ one day. We'll recognize each other in heaven. We'll realize that it was all God that brought us together here on this earth for a time. Both man and beast, on the day that I smote every firstborn in the land of Egypt. Now remember, in the land of Egypt, if they didn't put the blood on the door frames of their home. They didn't kill the lamb and they didn't put the blood on the doorpost. The firstborn in every household was going to die. And there was a lot of death that night in Egypt, including Pharaoh's son. But all the people, Gentiles as well as the Israelites, who put the blood on the doorpost, they were covered by the blood. Their firstborn lived. And he sanctified those for himself. You feel bad? You don't think you're loved? Jesus Christ has died for you individually, all of you, and he set you apart for him, for his will and for his purpose. You don't know what God wants or you don't know what God wants you to do in this life or what your purpose is. Well, he's already figured it out. He knows your purpose and your will. And as you stay abiding in him, it'll become more and more clear. You don't have to be anxious. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your worries, your cares, your anxieties on him. Why? Because he loves you. How do we know he loves us? He died on the cross. It's a historical event. There's an empty tomb. He's alive. He wants to give you that life and that hope and that expectation to continue to fulfill his purpose, fulfill his will. You might like to do something, but you might not understand that what God has for you is 20 million, billion, trillion times better than the enjoyment you're getting out of what you're doing. Then if you know you're in God's will and you're doing what he's called you to do, oh man, the peace, the uh, fun, the excitement, in what you're doing. Okay, Paul, you can go next slide. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, And such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
You and I have been washed in the blood of Christ if you're a born-again believer here tonight. If you're not a born-again believer, the shower is there. Like, you got it. You're like filthy dirty, and there's a big bar of soap. No, I got an even better one. There's a soft cloth body wash. You can just walk through like the car wash. You can walk through, and it's just, oh, it's massaging you. It's cleaning you. It's, it's making you brand new. And that's what God does spiritually to each one of us when he died on the cross. He's washing you. He's cleansing you. And then as a result of receiving Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior, then what's happened? He's setting you apart to accomplish his purpose and will. And then you're justified, just as if you've never sinned. There's a justification going on. Just as if you've never sinned but I just lied this morning. Yeah, but when, I, when Jesus died for you, all your lives were in the fu- lies were in the future. If you've confessed your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He's cleansed you. You're looking at yourself and we look at each other through our own eyes. We need to start seeing the body of Christ through the eyes of Jesus. That will put away all those secondhand notions or preconceived notions. In God's eyes, you and I are perfect. We're complete in Him. That's a, that's a good thing. But we need to have the mind of Christ as we look at each other. And by the Spirit of our God, we know that Jesus, before He ascended into heaven, told his followers to go and wait for the helper, for the comforter. And we know in the book of Acts, there was that day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came upon them and indwelled them. That same Holy Spirit is in you and I. And he equips us for works of service. And we're aware of that the more and more we spend time with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, Paul. Okay, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's go right back. Stand therefore... In a battle, you don't have a chance to stand if it's hand-to-hand combat and you don't have the right armor on. You don't have a chance because the other person will overpower you if they have the right equipment on. You need to be able to stand. We can't lie down as Christians. We need to be stand. We need to be walking with the Lord in His path, and we need to be alert in the Holy Spirit. For there is a battle going on. There is an enemy for our souls who's trying to take us out. There are people going to hell every single day. Some of them are in your path today. They might not be in your path tomorrow because they're in to eternity by tomorrow. But we need to take a stand having girded your waist with truth. Okay, Paul, we can go to the next one. Now, here's some of our equipment. Remember, Paul, when he wrote this, was chained to a Roman soldier. But, as we look back in history, I believe the Roman soldier was chained to Paul. An ambassador who goes to another country, sometimes he's all decked out, he has expensive uh, jewelry on, or especially in the olden days. Today they might be in a nice suit, you know, like a thousand dollar suit. They carry the authority of the government with them. Well, I think Paul was adorned in chains. To the world, it was a slavery, it was the chains of a prisoner. 
But to the eyes of the saints, the great cloud of witnesses surrounding him, it was like a gold ornament that God had chosen this man, Paul, to go into Rome and throughout the Middle East to be an ambassador for Christ. You and I are ambassadors to Christ. We're equipped by God himself to go wherever God sends us in our daily walk. But unless you have a relationship with Jesus, this equipment doesn't work. If you don't have a relationship with the risen Savior, it doesn't matter how much equipment you have on. The equipment is only as powerful as the maker of the equipment. The maker of the equipment, of course, is Jesus. These are physical things to give us a spiritual lesson. So we're going to look at some of these pieces. If you can see them, well, I don't know if you can see them. Well, there's a sword in the background. You got the breastplate. You got the helmet. You got the shield. Down here are the shoes, and you got the belt over on the side that we'll look at in a minute. But I want you to understand that you can't see it too good clear in this picture, but the shoes, they have little spikes on the bottom of them. You know, if we're fighting uh, on common ground and you don't have good traction, and I go to swing my sword at you or I go to try to take you out with the spear, boy, if you slip, that's going to make you very vulnerable to my attack. But we're going to have some battle if we both have good base and good traction on our feet. And we're going to look at that a little more, as, and I'll refer back to that. The belt was the first thing that the Roman soldier put on. It had different things that you could attach to it and hook to it. I know uh, Pastor Joe wears the police belt. You know, he can put his handcuffs on it, can put his nightstick, his pepper spray. I think there's even a donut holder for him on one side. Okay, we also have the sword in the back, and that sword represents God's word. But notice the armor. Look what it protects. It protects the abdomen, protects the heart, the lungs. Of course, the head, protecting the ears, the eyes, the mouth, the brain. The shield. We're going to look at something with the shield, because the shield that's referred to here in Ephesians isn't that round shield that we would just fight with right here. It's going to be pretty cool as we look at the shield in a couple minutes. Okay, Paul, we can go to the next one. Now, the belt, okay, girded, means encircled, a person or part of the body with a belt or band. It's girded with the belt of knighthood. So that it's going to go around the person, okay? It's part of his body. Everything was attached to it. If they were going to go into warfare, they would attach some parts of their clothing to it so they would have more of a freedom of movement. The belt was essential. You might not think that the belt was that important, but it was crucial because if the belt... I always think of uh, some of you in here, remember Avin Costello when he had like a belt on or something or a pair of pants and the belt was uh, too big and his pants would go down and he'd be flopping all over the place because the belt didn't fit right. It's the same thing here. Do you guys remember Evan Costello? There was no, yeah? Okay. But this is important for the Roman soldier. Okay, Paul. All right. That's, I love that picture. That is awesome. That's you and me. Spiritually, that's me and you right there. Girls, guys, that, you know, notice you can't tell if that's a girl or a guy right there. You are warriors, all of you, in the army of God. Do we recognize that? That as we are built up in Christ, that he equips us with all this armor. It's strong in him. The armor is in our strength. He is. The armor is in our protection. He is. But what a, a, a cool picture of the spiritual condition that you and I should have. And the question is, do we? Or are we easily defeated by the things that come into our daily existence? Or are those the things that God uses to strengthen us? The adversity, the trials, the tribulation, the dead ends. Does it help us depend on him more? Then bring him on. 
Bring on more trials. Bring on more tribulations. Bring on more dead ends. If it's going to strengthen me in my walk with the Lord. So we have back here in the scripture now, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Remember, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. John, in the book of John, I believe it's chapter 17 that we looked at it before. Sanctify me by your truth. Your word is truth. So everything points to Jesus, who is the word of God. And as understand that this is God's heart here that we read. We're taking a, we, we're looking at him. We're understanding his character, his nature. But there's a supernatural thing going on in our lives as we avail ourselves to his word. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Said about 10 or 15 minutes ago, there's two very important parts of your body and mind that we need to take more conscious awareness of. The breastplate of righteousness or the breastplate takes care of one of them, and that's your heart. How well are you protecting your heart? How well? Is it open to any vain philosophy? Is it open to any godless relationships that's just going to empty your heart and you're going to give a piece of your heart away in a relationship to someone who doesn't even have a heart after God? Are you going to put your heart into things that have no eternal value? Or are we going to do things that God wants us to do so we can give him the glory in our work at it so that we know as we're listening to him, we're carrying out his will in our lives and traveling the places he wants us to go. You see, if your heart isn't protected by the breastplate of righteousness, remember the only way you or I have any righteousness is if we're in Christ. Because what does it talk about in the scriptures about your righteous and my righteousness? They're like filthy rags. And if you really study that, that's menstrual rags. So anything that we do outside of Christ isn't going to last. They're filthy rags. Only the things we do in Christ are going to last on this earth and through eternity. So is your heart protected knowing that you are righteous in him? Are you Do you understand that? You know, we have these fiery darts that we're going to look at in the next a minute or two. These are the attacks of the enemy. Oh, you're no good. You call yourself a Christian? Look what you did last night. Oh, look how you handle that situation. Jesus isn't real. That's all mythology. It's like, it's up there with Zeus and Apollo and Achilles and all that. Any religion is okay. No. No. We have a historical evidence that there was a man named Jesus who came into this world and called himself God. People say he didn't. You just have to study the scriptures. He called himself God. He said, I'm the I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. His enemies even said, you claim to be God. Only God can forgive sins. What are you saying you're going to forgive this person their sins? Only God can forgive sins. Well, that's right. He was God. And they nailed the creator. They nailed their creator to a tree. Buried him, and three days later, he appeared to over, over the course of the next 40 days to over 500 people. But better than that, we know he's a risen Savior because we know what he's done in our lives. But is your heart protected with the knowledge of what he's done? The things that he did, is doing, will continue to do. In your life, we know as we get older, we look back and we can see the hand of God throughout our lives where we didn't even think about that. Maybe when we we're in our 20s or our teens, but understand this young people that are here tonight. God is intimately aware and loves you so much and is just trying to guide you. If you can be in that in his spirit at such a young age, it's no telling 
how wonderful and abundant your life is going to be. Don't wait till you're older and look back. Look forward to what he's going to do. And the simplicity is, just stay at his feet. Just stay at his feet. Get in his word. Read it. Even if you don't understand it, just read it. It's the Holy Spirit who will bring it to back to help you when you need it. He's storing it away in your spiritual bank account for that day that you need it. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. How well prepared are you, spiritually speaking? How well prepared are you? You know, as a coach, I hate my team going into a game if they don't know what kind of offense the other team's running or what kind of defense we're going to run. And we have a head coach that's better than any coach in the world. He prepares us right here with his playbook if we just get our face in the book. He'll prepare us because he knows what's going to happen tonight. He knows what's going to happen 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon in each of our lives. And he wants to give us the info that we need to be able to carry out through those circumstances. How well prepared are you for those things? Also, notice it's a gospel of peace. It's not a gospel of war and, and cutting off people's heads with the sword. It's a gospel of peace. And when you became a born-again Christian, the war and the enmity that you were with God, you were at war with God. Once you received his son into your heart as your Lord and Savior, you now were at peace with God. And not only were you at peace with God, but he gave you his peace. So now you have the peace of God given to you as a result. There's a lot of things that took place when you received Jesus into your heart. You have ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is teaching you through his word. You see, the world can't receive that. There's been geniuses that have read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, and they don't get out of it what you and I get out of it. Because it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual, supernatural thing that's taken place. There's not all churches in the world filled tonight with people hungry for God's word. You're a remnant throughout the world. You're one part of that remnant that God's called and separated to build into you more of himself. Because the world needs it. The world is craving for answers, but they don't know where to look. You might be the only Bible that people ever read, you and me. That's awesome. We want to make sure when they read us that they see Jesus and not the book of Vinny or the book of Paul or the book of Jesse or the book of Ashley or Jack or Raquel. I don't have anything on my pages. There's nothing there. It's like the card you open up and, or try to open and it doesn't open. There's nothing in there. It's a waste of time. Only what Jesus puts inside of us is worth anything. It's what he's done in our lives. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, if you ever saw the movie Gladiator, Right at the start of it, remember the Roman soldiers are on the hill and across in the woods are all the barbarians. And I believe um, Russell Crowe said something like, unleash hell on them. Then all of a sudden you see all these, I mean it looked like a modern day warfare. All the fire, the catapult, uh, catap- what is it, the balls, help me. Catapult, right? Yeah, whatever, the balls that the catapult shoots. We're just like fireballs going over, knocking down the trees and going into the group of guys. Okay, so I want you to picture that right now. That I believe our enemy doesn't throw, I think it's more like this. There's darts coming. There's depression. There's anxiety. There's anger. There's impurity. There's drugs. There's alcohol. There's all the things that can take us out. There's all those things that put us from a pure life into an impure life from a peaceful life into an anxious life. And I think they're just bombarding us. And we can't put the shield down because they're coming. But remember what I told you, it's not just that round shield. And let's see what that next slide is, Paul. Awesome. 
I know this is the Holy Spirit because I didn't even know that was, I was hoping it was that one. Check that out. Now, this is awesome. I get chills looking at this. You and me are those people holding those shields. The fiery darts are coming to us in all directions. They're coming above us. They're coming behind us. They're coming from the right and they're coming from the left. One of the strategies of the Roman army was when they fired, they were trying to confuse the enemy by coming from all different directions, causing chaos, causing anxiousness. But you and I, this is where the body of Christ is so important, everybody. You are crucial to my walk with the Lord. We build into each other. We pray for one another. We say hello to each other. We try to take part in things together because there's a bonding going on. There's a spiritual relationship that's being created. You're my brothers. You're my sisters. And so it should be for each of us in here. We can't look, oh, I don't like, you know, that person. I don't like the way, uh, you know, um, Fred said, I don't like your shirt, Fred. I, that's garbage. All that is immaterial. You think God cares what we wear? He doesn't care. I mean, he didn't even clothe Adam and Eve. He wasn't even concerned with the clothing in the garden. He wasn't worried about what they were wearing. He's not concerned with that. He's concerned with what? The attitude of our hearts. Where we are in our hearts. But going back to this, this is you and me. Look at this protection these guys have. No matter where those arrows came from. Now, here's the thing. One of the things when you shot a fiery arrow, remember, they're seeing this, but there's hundreds, maybe thousands of them coming. And they're whistling. And you see the, the flame coming at you. And bang, it goes into your shield. Now, one of the first reactions is you're worried that this shield is going to catch on fire or something's going to happen. And it could be a tendency for you to put down the shield. That's what the enemy's hoping, that you put down the shield because now you're more vulnerable to more of an attack. Unlike these shields, the shield of faith that God gives us not only wards off the fiery darts, it extinguishes them. It puts them out. They're smoldering. You know, there might be some re resonance and smell, but God takes them out because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As you build yourself in the word of God, your shield's getting stronger and stronger and stronger and nothing can penetrate it. But if you don't know God's word, your shield's like this. It's like this bottle cap. Here's my shield. Here comes all the fiery darts. How many can I get? But... When you have your own faith in Jesus and your own relationship, and remember, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. When you have a relationship with him, you've got one of these big shields. Then when you're in the body of Christ, hey, I used to be a Lone Ranger Christian, so I know I was like one of these guys with a little shield walking around, and there were thousands of flames coming this way, this way, this way, and this way. And I felt the heat, and I got burnt. And it took a long, long time before the smell of sin got off of me because of the result of that. But when I got plugged into a Bible-believing church, all of a sudden, I had an army around me that was protecting my back. So no matter where that fiery dart came from, there were brothers and sisters in Christ lifting me up in prayer. I want to emphasize that to you. If you don't pray, pick somebody out that's right next to you right now. Or picks anyone that God puts on your heart and pray for them. Put their name in your Bible. Maybe the Lord's leading you to somebody and you don't know who it is. Say, hey, my name's Vinny. What's your name? Bill. Okay, I'm going to put Bill in my Bible right now and I'm going to pray for Bill. Because we need to protect each other. God has given us that intercessory prayer to be able to lift up our brothers and sisters. Okay, Paul, you can go to the next one. Okay, the heart. We talked about the heart being protected by the breastplate. Well, the next thing, let's continue here on in the scripture. Verse 
Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Again, the helmet. Where my heart is will affect the way I think. What I put my heart into is going to affect the way that I think. I saw a... Um, article in Share the Victory magazine. It's, it's this issue. It's a November, December issue. And there is a, a man, I believe it's Ron Brown. He writes a one-page article every month or two, and he puts it in the back. Well, the article he, he did on was on pornography. And he talked about, and they're doing scientific studies now, and uh, they show three pictures of three brains. There's a normal brain, there's a brain on heroin, and then there's a brain on pornography. And they show the deterioration by drugs, by the heroin in the middle brain, and you see these black spots all around it. Then they show your brain pornography, and I'm telling you right now, it has more decay on it than the heroin brain did. And that's a pretty heavy thing. There was an interview by an um, athlete at a school, and he said 23, 22 out of the 24 guys on his team had an addiction to pornography. And they found out that people involved in pornography, women and men, teens, boys and girls, that whole thing, every age and both sexes are included, that the high that you get from pornography compares to the high that you could get with some drugs. And the 22 out of those 24 uh, athletes were from a Christian college. It was in, the boy that was interviewed was one of those 22 kids. He was one of the players on that team. So we talk about being set apart and pure. Understand that the world is trying to take us down. And I believe three areas, and it's, it's nothing new, sex, drugs, and the drugs are from, uh, whether it be anything in a cigarette or marijuana, to alcohol, to the harder drugs, whatever, they're all stepping stones to just separating yourself from Christ. So you have those things that are going on, okay? And here the Lord is trying to protect us. So where's your heart tonight? Because what your heart is dwelling on is how you're thinking. They're connected. So you have the helmet of uh, salvation protecting your brain. Do you live and wear that helmet of salvation? Are we aware that if we were to die tonight, we'd be in the presence of the Lord. We'd be there. But since we aren't absent from the body and presence from the Lord, the Lord has us here for a reason. Are we walking in the newness and the freshness of his Holy Spirit daily? Is that taking place? And it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's the offensive weapon. That's always drawn. We're ready to go with God's word hidden in our hearts so we don't sin against them. We're ready to give a defense to all those who ask, what is the hope we have? And we can pray all the time. Let's look at that in verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Notice spirit is the capital S. It's the Holy Spirit. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. We can pray out loud. We can pray silent. We can pray lying on our backs. We can pray standing up. We can pray running. We can uh, pray standing still. Where are you with your prayer life talking to the Lord? He loves you to be a chatterbox with him. He has an ear for each one of us anytime, 24-7, 365, night or day. That's awesome. Do we take advantage of talking to Jesus? being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Persevere, hang in there. 
It's not over till it's over. It's not over till we hear the trumpet and the shout. It's not over. Get back up. Help, Jesus. Pick me back up. Get me walking again. I failed. Pick me back up, Jesus. When one of my athletes fall down, I, I said, you get up too slow. Get up faster. If it's in a basketball game and he falls down, it's five on four now. Get up. We need you. You've got to get up quicker. How quick do we get up once we're knocked down spiritually? And verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that in it I might speak boldly as I ought to speak. Pray for boldness. Pray for that awareness and that boldness that God wants you to have. I want you to just uh, flip back to uh, John, please. I believe it's chapter 6, and we'll wrap up with this in the last couple slides. I'm sorry, John 13. John 13. And I was just uh, thinking about this just as I was driving here tonight. This is where Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples. We'll pick up with verse uh, 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. So Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Remember Moses, Aaron, and his two sons at the tabernacle when they were being consecrated. They had to go through a ceremonial washing. The ram... The blood represents to you and I the blood of Jesus Christ washing us, cleansing us. Once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's a once and for all thing. You don't have to continually do that if you were sincere and you meant it the first time. However, this story is a great picture of that. You see, Peter was told by Jesus that he didn't need to get that whole bath. He needed only to wash his feet. For you and I, the spiritual lesson is this. If your Lord and Savior is Jesus, if you're a born-again Christian, you've been cleansed of all your past, present, and future sins. But like the people back in Jesus' day, they would walk the streets, and they were dirty and dusty streets, and their feet would get filthy. So when they came home or they visited someone, the gesture would be to wash their feet, to cleanse it, a refreshment. You and I, each day, need to have the water of God's Word washing our feet because it gets soiled by the world. We need to be cleansed daily, washing ourselves in the water of His Word. Are we doing that? Are we taking the time? to get into his word. Okay, Paul. That's it. There's not one more on there, Paul? Okay. Our little mouse went back into the house. That was, I thought, the last slide. But remember, the, if you were here, there was a little mouse with the little helmet on. And my question a few teachings ago was, is this little guy equipped to get that piece of cheese out of that trap. And he wasn't. Paul, can we go back to? Can we go back to uh, that, the guy with the, um, the blocking off the fiery darts? Yeah, that one. Now, what guy has a better chance in the mousetrap? 
The little mouse with the uh, soft helmet on or this guy? Which one are you? Which one am I? When we are in Jesus, abiding in Him, there we are. From a spiritual standpoint, that's how God wants to equip us right there. When we're out of His Word, when we're not speaking to Him, when we're not fellowshipping together, we're like that little guy that comes out with his helmet on, thinks he's ready to go. He wants that piece of cheese, but he doesn't realize there's disaster straight ahead. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your lessons in your word. We thank you for the Old Testament. How we see how much.